Hello and welcome to another episode of Some Random Thoughts. I'm your host, Ryan Wolkowski, and on the program today, I have a very special guest. Uh, their name is Izzy, and you can find them on Twitter at Existential Izzy. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And um, I'm just going to have Izzy uh, introduce themselves and then we'll uh, move forward. So, Izzy, yeah, tell us a little bit about you and. Um, things you're interested in and where people can find you besides Twitter if they can. Okay, definitely interested in um, spirituality because everyone kind of has like their own meaning of it. Yeah. But my def- the way I define spirituality is through psychology and science. So I'm definitely a huge mental health advocate. So if I talk a lot about mental health and um, being an atheist and religious, um, religion, religious trauma. That's why, because my spirituality is defined by a science that we all know as psychology. So, and that's, that's awesome. honestly, the best place for people to reach me is Twitter. I don't really have Facebook. I have an Instagram, but I have a private account for just personal reasons. Yeah. Um, so Twitter is okay. honestly the best place to go. All right. Well, there we go. So Twitter, uh, find Izzy at Existential Izzy on Twitter for all of her thoughts. And just really quick, so I think we connected, I don't know, a year or two ago. I can't remember with all my connections, but um, Izzy was very formative and kind of helping me discern my own spiritual journey. And we had lots of great conversations back and forth. And she just has a lot of great thoughts on everything that she mentioned. So if you're interested in any of those things that she mentioned, they mentioned, excuse me, uh, please go check them out um, on Twitter. Um, So today's episode is a revisit episode is what I'm calling it. So season one, I did a bunch of episodes on various different topics. One of those topics was on soul and body. And Izzy is going to help me revisit that topic, and they're going to give me their perspective on what I had to say. They listened to the episode previously uh, before this conversation, so they have a good idea of what I said, and they're going to tell me where they agreed and disagreed and their own thoughts about spirituality and soul and body, and particularly, we're going to be talking about the mind-body connection. are the mind and body connected? Are they not connected? Is there such thing as a soul? Is there not a soul? If there is a soul, what does it look like? Uh, You know, those types of questions we're gonna just be kind of diving in and and talking about. So first of all, uh, Izzy, I wanna get your perspective on your understanding of the mind and the body. Um, Is there a mind and a body? Are they connected? Are they not connected? What are kind of your thoughts about that? You know, honestly, when I heard the podcast and that question was first posed, I was like, you know, I don't think I really gave that too much thought because I think the answer might be in the middle or maybe it's like yes and no kind of thing where maybe sometimes it is, you know, the two are firing together and working in tandem and sometimes maybe not um, because of my own uh, religious background. I think back to the times where my mind and my body were not working together. And then there are times where they definitely were in sync more, or at least more in sync. So maybe that answer kind of lands somewhere in the middle or just maybe it's not even on a spectrum, even not quite sure. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I never really thought about that. I'm glad you brought up that the mind body connection might not just be this this monolith or static kind of um, 
phenomenon, but that it could be on a spectrum depending on the person. So what do you think are some of the factors that either cause a disconnect or a greater connection or awareness with one's mind and one's body? So let's see, thinking back to my own um, time as a religious person, the times that they were not in sync is definitely when I would have doubts about my faith, you know, because you're told on one end, doubts are okay, just as long as they don't take you away from God. And then you had this other extreme view where it's like, no, doubts are, doubts are just not okay. And so you try to figure out how to proceed. And when you get two conflicting messages, you're just like, well, maybe I'll just continue just... Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just not think about it. I'll put it in the back of my mind. And so you have your mind on autopilot while your body's just like, but I still feel these things, you know, why am I ignoring them? Um, I'm still yeah. having these thoughts. Why am I told that I need to take these thoughts captive kind of thing? Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So would you, so it's fair to say that you found a lot of like cognitive dissidents in religious belief and that yeah. kind of really hindered, I think, maybe a, a, a greater awareness or understanding of how your body and your mind could work together. Yeah, I mean, it was more, oh, man, the cognitive dissonance was more of disassociation for me. Mm, and what's wow. crazy is I didn't even realize that disassociation not only was a thing, but how heavily it could impact you. Mm. And so there were a lot of times um, thinking back to my childhood even, um, where I would just lose time, you know, just huge chunks of time. And I'd be like, I don't remember that at all. And, you know, the person I'd be talking to would be so insistent that yes, this did actually happen. And I would genuinely be unable to remember and to the point even where it would scare me that I couldn't remember some things. So. Yeah, I can't imagine that level of just anxiety that would be produced and not even remembering entire chunks of your childhood. And yet it's a phenomenon that I think a lot of people have experienced. And I mean, how how have you been working through maybe any type of difficult situations or traumas or past experiences, um, either because of religion or otherwise? What are some of the most effective ways that you've tried to cope with those various things that have happened? Because it's, it's difficult. It's difficult work and, and, and there's a lot to unpack and, and, un, and, you know, and unwind. So what has been most helpful for you in your own mental health and your mind and body? So Therapy was a great uh, place for me to start because I didn't know where else to go. Um, mm -hmm. um, so when I started therapy, I started with mindfulness and found out the meditation is a completely optional thing, but that was also pretty helpful. But it was when I started CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, is when um, they had us write down just our you know, our, um, pretty much our immediate thought about something like mm -hmm. I'm a bad person. And then they would have you go through and dissect why you're having that thought. And if there's any truth to it, well, why are you saying you're a bad person? Oh, because this happened. 
Okay, well, could you have controlled anything about that situation? Uh, yes, no, you know. And it took, oh man, I did CBT for at least a year. Mm. Uh, and going through even one of the first groups I did that involved CBT was with an all women's group. And they put me in a group for women with PTSD and just other general trauma. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I had a lot of um, repressed emotions and thoughts and feelings, especially uh, geared towards my ex-stepmother. So okay. it was very uncomfortable. And it was one of those love-hate relationships with yep. therapy that you get. Yep. But it was definitely the first crucial stepping stone that I had. That's awesome that you've uh, talked about therapy. And I think it's, um, even in this day and age, I I think it's important that we talk about our mental health and and specifically we talk about, um, you know, the the benefits of therapy and how there's nothing wrong with getting therapy. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. doesn't mean you're necessarily a broken person. It just means you're a person that needs to take care of their mind just as much as we would, we're encouraged to get an annual physical every year and and to take care of our general physical health. So, um, and I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of, of therapy and, and a huge advocate for therapy. And I've done therapy myself and um, it, it's been hugely crucial. Um, when it comes to specifically, maybe some of the spiritual implications of using language like soul or spirit or things like that, where do you land just personally on your spirituality, how do you even view the topic of soul and and or spirit? So soul and spirit is one of those, like, I always felt that they were very interchangeable because I never saw the difference in the word, not really. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's no way for me to prove that we even have a soul or a spirit. So I I just don't really put them in my vocabulary, my day-to-day vocabulary. Okay. uh, Because they don't really apply to me. Um, But I do, I guess, translate the word to a more secular version, which is my psyche. Like, you know, instead of saying like my soul hurts, it's like this really just hurts, you know, how I feel my, this hurts my heart. Or if, if I'm referring to this soul thing, but I'm talking about my mind, then it's like, this hurts my psyche, you know, this is damaging to my psyche. So you're just trying to find better language for you and, and you, and you feel you've landed with psyche being an accurate word to represent maybe the non-physical part of who you are. And that's always been tricky with me. And this is something that I've had to kind of unlearn as I've progressed in my own spirituality is that soul and, and and spirit can be very problematic words, especially for secular uh, people. And so for me, it's like, I'm even trying to like, even find better language for it, right? So like, I might say like my inner self, but that seems a little inadequate. I like the word psyche actually, um, <laughs> I, I do. So I might just have to borrow that from you. <laughs> um, and uh, so I like the word psyche. Um, I like the word, uh, you know, like inner self. Um, I, when I talk about spirituality, even as 
you know, a hospice chaplain and a grief counselor and stuff like that, um, you know, that can even be kind of a tricky word because a lot of people do have different definitions for it. Uh, I think a lot of people think of spirituality just as exclusively like supernatural and that it's not necessarily the case. I mean, spirituality looks so different for, for so many people. Um, how do you think, what do you think are kind of some, uh, when, so one of the things I talked about briefly was accessibility accessibility to spirituality and one of my things that i'm really passionate about is i want to make spirituality more accessible for secular people so people that are not religious um or don't even and don't believe in anything that's kind of supernatural or anything in the realm of religion or anything like that as uh, as um someone who's secular so what how would you propose maybe making this kind of conversation more accessible for people who don't subscribe to a religious or a spiritual, even a spiritual belief system, and when it comes to like supernatural beliefs specifically. Well, I wish I could tell people where to go and like, oh, just get it at your local supermarket and they sell it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But for me, I found it, uh, you know, through therapy. Um, my secular beliefs are, um, have, uh, I guess, evolved around and are built around not only mindfulness and CBT, but DBT even, which is dialectic behavioral therapy. And uh, DBT is geared towards more for people with borderline personality disorder, like I have. Okay. I think it's also for PTSD. You know, it's for some other, um, it's for people who have, I guess, trigger warning, self-harmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my beliefs, came from just combining all of those things together and picking what works best for me. So it's hard to answer that, you know, I wish it were um, so simple. Uh, Yeah, I think I do too. And so I think when we talk about accessibility, it really comes with a lot of introspection for each person is what you're saying that it's not like a one size fits all solution. And I kind of like that you, that you say that and that you're honest about it because we don't also, I think sometimes secularism in trying to really distinguish itself from religious belief can almost shift into this quasi-religious hierarchical system that religious people are trying to, or people that were religious are trying to avoid in the first place, right? Like we don't want to swing the other way and get stuck in this other system that creates harm that we escaped from or that we chose to leave so like I would love to tell people oh just go to therapy but it's not that simple because there's some people who are afraid of therapy or had a negative experience with therapy who maybe don't want to try it again or they're very hesitant so you can't just be like oh well here's the simple solution you're just dumb enough to not take it Mm. like this is terrible to so you have to really just kind of kind of like how me and you met we just talked had conversations asked Mm -hmm. questions had a back and forth and eventually you figured out what worked for you yeah no and i and i think that's wonderful and that's what i think i want to try to advocate too is that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution and there doesn't need to be a hierarchy or kind of like a a board of particular people that are like in charge of trying to subscribe things uh, to secular people. But at the same time, psychology, in part because of your influence and just our conversations in the past on Twitter and what you've shared, has become very important in my life. Um, You know, even years ago when I was starting therapy, 
psychology became this like whole new world for me that like I was raised in a particularly conservative evangelical Christian circle and I was in that kind of sphere for a long time and so there was a lot of demonization or vilification of like psychology and philosophy and oh, science yeah. and the anti-intellectual anti movement and, and, and things happening in that circle that you probably experience as well and so now having the freedom to be able to just define for yourself things that work for you and so in your part psychology being a very foundational aspect of your life uh i i could imagine brings a lot of freedom and just a lot of liberation because maybe the thing you never got to explore before the thing that got demonized actually was a saving quote unquote like was a saving grace or just yeah. <laughs> like i don't want to use religious language but just you know something that helped you tremendously become a better person a more whole person um and so um why so so accessibility basically is to each their own right whatever is it works for you and whatever is going to promote your health and your wholeness and and healing and uh is is what works um what um i talked a little bit about the body and how religion has this i think a misunderstanding of the body it's, and, and it depends on the religion because religions have different beliefs but I came from a Christian background. Did you come from a Christian background? Yeah. Yeah, I was, okay, I was, I assumed you did. Um, so coming from Christian backgrounds, at least for me, I was raised in like purity culture and modesty oh, yeah. culture, um, which are hugely harmful. And there's, a, and there's a lot of great resources, especially on Twitter. A lot of people are talking about purity culture and pushing back against purity culture. Were you raised in that particular culture? And if so, how, what beliefs did you, subscribe to that were kind of ended up presented as detrimental and that you had to kind of unwork or unlearn later oh yes i most definitely grew up with purity culture and modesty culture okay um, i guess maybe there wasn't as much emphasis on modesty culture as much as just purity culture in general because obviously your virginity was this prized possession to yeah. work towards um one of the hardest things that I had to unlearn because of purity culture and because, you know, my virginity, virginity was wrapped up, you know, and just even made an idol out of. Um, I was told by my ex-stepmom at the time that dating was pointless, ultimately, um, unless the intent was to get married. And being told this as a 15-year-old uh, it just really yeah. took a toll on my mental health because I was just like, okay, so I can't date unless the person that I'm dating wants to get married. And at 15, that just sounds so absurd. Mm -hmm. And it is absurd to put so much pressure on a teenager like that. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to unlearn going through therapy, making sure that that wasn't my only intent with the person that I was dating. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's one thing that I learned too, was you need to date as if you're looking toward um, marriage automatically, like marriage had to be like the, the mindset of going into a dating relationship, which I thought, yeah, 
I'm, I'm like, I'm a teenager. Like I have no interest. Like I'm 14. I have no interest in like <laughs> getting married and settling down with someone. Like I just, I, I just want to like, I just have this natural desire to be with uh, people that I'm sexually and physically and also emotionally attracted to. Why does it have to be framed in this marriage thing? And I think a lot of that might be because of the fear of, oh, people are going to have sex outside of marriage and keeping you in that very narrow, like one man, one woman marriage relationship for life type of teaching, which is so, which is just so narrow and it's so limiting uh, and it's limiting to many people's human experience. And it's not even a healthy view of sexuality. Um, and you would know this knowing psychology and going through therapy that it's just, it's not even healthy to put that kind of pressure, like you said, on, on an adolescent mind that's discovering their own body and their as their bodies are changing and, and things like that. Um, modesty culture was something that I necessarily didn't subscribe to, but it was something that it was taught, which was basically, um, and I, and the thing is I went to a, a Christian school for middle and high school that was like independent fundamental Baptist. So it was like women had to wear uh, skirts or dresses. Uh, they couldn't show anything above the knee and, um, you know, guys couldn't even wear shorts either. Uh, I remember guy like guys had to wear pants too. And I remember when there was like a swimming activity with this particular school or church or whatever, uh, like women had to wear like uh, t-shirts over like one piece bathing suits. And mm -hmm. uh, but then guys didn't have to wear a shirt or something like that. So like, just, just like, I, I don't like to use the word crazy. I don't, I don't, but just ridiculous. Ridiculous is a better word, like ridiculous things, just like absurd things that don't really make any sense. And I felt like it put the onus on a girl, if you oh, yeah. will. Like, oh, yeah. oh the, the, the girl has to make sure that the guy doesn't get tempted. The, the girls got to cover up themselves. The girls got to do this. The girls got to do that. But there wasn't a lot of, direction for guys like there wasn't a lot of admon admonishment for oh guys need to make sure that the girl doesn't get tempted the the guy needs to make sure you never really heard that it was always on the on the girl so how do you feel about kind of maybe some of the misogynistic messaging that you got as a child or as an adolescent growing up in in religious culture and how did you kind of undo with a lot of the misogyny and then also just maybe a lot of um a lot of discrimination towards uh you know maybe the non-dualistic way of thinking about gender uh, itself because um I, I just would be interested to hear your thoughts about that i think that's what gives me such great freedom and being non-binary is just because i don't have to identify as something i don't even agree with in the first place that was originally laid out for me because I was expected to fit in this small little box of really strict expectations. So trying to meet all those things, it was very um, constricting. And it was really hard to breathe at one point, mm. metaphorically speaking, but I guess literally speaking too. Um, but I hated it. I hated that women were responsible for making sure we didn't get pregnant, mm. uh, making sure that we didn't cause anyone to stumble if we didn't want to get assaulted or worse you know that was on us too i just it drove me nuts it was something that i saw even when i was in the service in the navy 
on my first ship, I was told that I had to get a bigger uniform size. I mean, you have to consider, um, keep in mind that all of us wore uniform, the same uniform, same working uniform, same utility uniform. So the fact that I was being told, not by my leadership, who I guess was distracted in the first place and uh, as fate would have it, you know, my leadership were male, mm-hmm. uh, of the male variety, I guess you could say. So they had the only other female in the division uh, they had her relayed to me that my uniform was distracting them. I needed to get a bigger uniform size because I couldn't help the fact that I had a very curvy body. That was just something I could not help. But there I was just fuming, fuming that wow. instead of men controlling themselves, I had to change and I had to get the bigger uniform. It just pissed me off (laughs) i can't even imagine it's like you escape constricting religious culture you end up going into the military and then find the same kind of bs mentality mentality that you were escaping from and you thought would be different because the military is supposed to be a secular institution and yet they're still perpetuating like that same type of misogynistic bs that's got to be extremely frustrating do you still is it still something that you experience from time to time even just out in the world i mean are you still dealing do you still deal with harassment and 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 things of that nature um are you seeing it getting any better is is society becoming more enlightened about these type of things or is there still like a ways to go is there still progress that needs to be made I think we are making progress. I just don't think we're making enough progress. Um, I don't get harassed nearly as much anymore, um, but I definitely did when I was in the service. Mm. Um, Even like when I had a boyfriend, I would get hounded. Oh, well, you can't have a friend, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Just, I saw less and less of it um, as time went on. Um, and I guess it was kind of a saving grace, so to speak, because of the pandemic, having to wear a mask all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. that men couldn't, you know, your normal cis hetero men couldn't tell me, oh, just smile, you know, just so that was nice. That's a good point too. Yeah. <laughs> and just maybe increased isolation, not having to run into cis hetero men all the time, being an, uh, obnoxious and just like harassy about uh, things. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And that, and that to me, just like, it just hurts me as like a cis hetero man, just that women and non-binary individuals and, and other, and other men too, um, to a lesser extent, um, have to constantly be assaulted and harassed for who they are. As you are looking toward a place of greater freedom and liberation, you still are met with oppression and marginalization. And that for me, I think was one of the biggest reasons why I just decided to leave religion altogether was because as I did my best to try to reform, it wasn't getting any better, right? And I decided, and then there were lots of other reasons. That's just one reason, but that was one reason is that I saw that faith communities were not doing enough to encourage liberation and free free expression 
Um, and uh, there's a lot of other things that we could talk about in there. But getting back to the topic, so all of this is all of this plays a role. All of this is important when it, when we're talking about purity culture and we're talking about sexual harassment, we're talking about sexual assault, and we're talking about gender and sexuality because it all relates back to the body. And so, what are some things that maybe you used to hate about your body or you were ashamed about your body or just things that you really were told were not good, you were told were maybe bad and that now you're claiming it as, no, I appreciate this about my body. I love my body. This is, this is who I am and, and I accept it. What are, maybe what are some things that you could share um, that other people might um, gain a lot of encouragement from? So I started off with the most simplest of things. I used to get bullied a lot for the size of my nose. Okay. My nose, I guess, was bigger than or bigger than my face or as big as my face back then. I don't remember, but I got teased a lot for it, got picked on a lot by mostly, no, I think it was all girls that picked on me about my nose size. Wow. So I would hang out with the guys because they didn't pick on me. But over time, I just didn't care anymore um mm. i got tired of people using my nose as this way to harass me and pick on me and it took some time but i came to love just my nose you know and just say that is a nice nose so a lot of that is the um i can't remember if you said this would be like a cbt exercise or a dbt exercise <laughs> about kind of reframing um, maybe negative thoughts or negative mindsets, especially things that are ingrained, um, you know, from childhood, either things that you heard externally from others or things that you kind of accepted internally about yourself, undoing that narrative. So that way you can like utilize, you know, a, a positive mindset. And I want to be wary of like, I'm not talking about like toxic posit positivity. I'm talking about like, actually doing the work of like reframing the narratives about who you are and, and how you see yourself so that you can have a better self-image. Um, so that's, that's a really good example because I think there's, I think we, I talked about in the, in the episode, how all of us have things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves uh, when we, when it comes to our bodies. So for me, I've always had like a self-image issue of about my weight. I always fluctuated in weight throughout my life. So when I was like in elementary school, I was a you know, I was a much bigger kid. And then when I hit puberty, I lost a lot of weight and I grew really tall. So I was a skinny kid at one point. Then I kind of gained some weight back. And then throughout my adult years, I had periods where I was skinny, periods where I was bigger. And then, um, you know, one of the things for me is like my hair. Um, I started like losing my hair at a young age. I was like 16 when I started oh, wow. losing my hair. And and so that that's always been a self-conscious thing. But you know, I was never taught how to love my body and I was never actually given permission to like love my body and accept my body. Cause, and, and I think that's something that's interesting is that I felt like in the culture that I was raised in, it was guys didn't talk about their body or, you know, that was a, that was a girl thing. Like girls have mm -hmm. self-image issues or girls talk about that stuff. Like guys don't talk about that stuff. And yet I think a lot of guys, if they admitted it, have self-image issues. And I know I did, and I do to a lesser extent. So um, how do you feel about, um, I shared a quote in the thing, and I want to I get your thoughts on it. So 
there was a quote that basically said uh, in summary, spirituality should return to one's own body. So how do you feel about that statement? How does that resonate with you? For me, I think about um, just, so whenever it comes to unpacking the narratives that we've been taught, whether we told them to ourselves or others told us, it involves getting uncomfortable, sitting with yourself and, you know, doing a lot of reflection and actually going through and making sure that what you tell yourself and what others have told you is finding out if it's, you know, factual or bullshit. And, you know, that's a very uncomfortable thing to do, but as you do it more and more over time, um, it gets easier. It most definitely gets easier. I won't say what gets more comfortable. Um, that's a good point. So yeah. for me, um, you know, returning to spirituality, returning to one's own body, you know, at some point you get to the point where, because um, I know for me, especially going through therapy, at a certain point, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do my best to just accept my body for what it is at this moment, kind of taking into that mindfulness perspective of I'm going to just accept my body for what it is as it is in this moment and that's helped me a little bit more and more so while I still have a hard time like looking at my body naked in the mirror you know at least I'm just like it doesn't cause as much um, dysphoria for me or dysmorphia I guess would be how I perceive my body. Wow and that's I can imagine it would take a lot of work and still takes a lot of work. I feel like it's, it seems like it's almost like a daily journey or a daily exercise for you. And I think that's the one thing that I want to encourage listeners about when it comes to kind of rewriting the narratives, if you will. Right. And, and the, and the negative self-talk and all of these things is that it's, it's not like an overnight exercise it's not like a light switch that you can just be in a negative state and then all of a sudden like flip the switch and then you're just in this like positive state it's it's you're you're constantly grappling with these things and you're constantly working to undo those things but i i appreciate the encouragement you shared about your own life where you said it gets easier it doesn't necessarily get more comfortable yeah but you're more, but I guess you're more comfortable in the uncomfortableness of it, maybe <laughs> like you're more acquainted with it is what I, it sounds right. like you're saying. And that's, su and that's such a hopeful thing that I want people to uh, remember from this episode, if they don't remember anything else is being acquainted with the uncomfortableness is okay. You, it's okay to dive deep into those spaces that we don't want to necessarily dive into you know we want to avoid them or go around them or pretend they don't exist but basically um, I have a therapist friend who says the only way um, out is through right absolutely that and so <laughs> man that like wrecked me when he told me that years ago I was like oh man like I because I, I, I didn't know how to cope with my emotions I didn't know how to cope with my mental health issues and stuff like that and my entire life I was either told to pray more or to read my Bible more that, you know, I was pray just, harder. yeah, pray hard. Yeah. I was being oppressed by a demon or like, you know, just like stuff like that. And then later on, I was just told that 
oh, you know, you just need to have more positivity or you just need to, you know, and like stuff that was just unhelpful. And, you know, what I really needed is someone to give me permission to go, it's okay to like work through your stuff. It's okay to like dive into it. And it's okay that, and you're okay. You're not necessarily a horrible person or a bad person for having these issues. Your mind, your brain is an organ, just like all the other organs in your body, you know? And when someone put it as simple as that to me, I was like, huh, yeah, I can take care of my mental health just like I take care of my physical health. Right. And there's, and there's something to be said of, you know, I believe that everyone should have access to a therapist at least once a year, or like maybe a psychologist or a mental health professional, just like you have access to like a, a primary care physician once a year for your physical thing, for your physical body and your physical needs. Everyone should have access to a mental health professional once a year, at least just to get a check-in. Like, how are you doing? Absolutely. And have a plan to care for your mental health, just like you have a plan to care for your physical health. And that's why I like having conversations about this. And I really appreciate you being here because you're helping to continue the message and to continue to promote therapy and psychology and all of these wonderful things that help people, you know? And and uh, I'm not necessarily wanting to just, you know, demonize religion or spirituality in general, but we need to talk about how religion and spirituality can be detrimental for our mental and our physical health and our well-being and the messaging that comes out of that space. And so um, I think, you know, just to, to close this, um, Izzy, I just wanted to ask you uh, a couple of things. Um, there were three things that I, actually four things, we're only going to talk about three of them. Um, there were four things about the body <laughs> that um, I talked about at the end of the episode. And the first thing was um, the body as a reliable companion and how we need to be better listeners of our body. Um, what are kind of your thoughts about being a good listener of your body or how do you listen to your body? Like if somebody's listening to this and they're going, I have no idea what that means. What does it mean to listen to my body? what do you do to listen to your body? Okay, so I guess I can start off with saying, um, I first took the word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost and I translated it, so to speak, to a secular version that I call intuition or your gut feeling. So whenever um, I deconverted, I started listening to my body more, my intuition, my gut feeling. So if I felt that someone was being untrustworthy or they were just being at least a little suspicious or sus, I guess they say. Um, you know, if someone was being just a little sus or whatever, I would listen to that instead of just ignoring it and pretending that everything was fine when it wasn't. Or if someone was trying to pressure me into doing something that I didn't want to do instead of just being the yes man and just going along with it, I finally had the confidence to push back and say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's great. So intuition, I think, is a, is a really good word, or, or listening to your gut is a, is a really good um, way of describing kind of listening to your body. Because I think you're right. Your body does respond to situations. And, um, and you know this from psychology, so you know that the nervous system plays a, a, a major role in the mind-body connection, right? And that our nervous system has these like flight or fright or, you know, just these like responses, right? That fire off. 
And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we neglect what our nervous system tells us or what our body tells us. And what that means is that we're not listening to what the body is doing. The body is communicating for a reason. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. So the second thing is um, a body is a capable mediator between our consciousness and the world around us. Um, how do you try to maybe more align, you know, mind, we can call it consciousness. I think a lot of secular people use that word and I feel like it's a fairly accurate word, you know, mind or consciousness. How do you align that with the world around you? Like, how do you try to promote better mental health in, in your own life as you face a world where you're still going to have pressures, you're still going to see traumatic events, possibly traumatic events will happen to you from time to time. How do you heal yourself from those things? Oh, man, what a loaded question. I know. Sorry. <laughs> but it's a good one. Oh, goodness. Oh, I remember getting this little book from my chaplain recently, uh, and it's called Heart of a Buddha. And one of the things that I read was, um, since everything is a reflection of our mind, everything can be changed by our mind. And mm. I still think about that quote and how it informs my own beliefs because of the psychology, all of the therapy I've gone through. And like with the, I'll start with the most recent trauma that I had, which was um, back in December, I had a car accident. I was mm. still pregnant with this little kiddo. I was 33 wow. weeks pregnant. Wow. I still have flashbacks every now and again. There are moments when I'm driving that I'm still just completely scared out of my wits, but I just, I have to take a deep breath and just exhale slowly and remember that I am safe. I am aware of my surroundings and I just have to take those little baby steps and just go, I made it through, you know, driving from point A to point B, nothing bad happened. I am okay. My child's okay. Everyone in my car is okay. And sometimes it's just those little victories, so to speak, that matter. So whenever we see this terrible news on, you know, school shootings, um, what's happening currently with um, Israel and, mm -hmm. you know, Palestine, mm -hmm. uh, you do what you can to help, you know, within the means that you do have, or at least I think that's the best thing to do, best mm -hmm. thing you can do. And just remember that you can't always fix everything. So you just do what you can. Um, I know for some people it's prayers, you know, thoughts and prayers. It drives me crazy still hearing that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so sometimes even if you can't donate to a charity, you just keep those people in your thoughts, do what you can, you know, like I said, just do what you can to help. Maybe it's just talking about the subject and making sure people are informed on the matter. That's the most crucial piece of work you can do. Yeah, man, that is, that is good stuff. That, that chunk that you just shared, um, Heart of a Buddha, I'm going to look that up, by the way. I'm going to add that to my, <laughs> my list of, of books. Um, that's really, really good. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that wisdom there. And then I guess the last thing is um, a body as a vehicle for transformation. And I just wanted to kind of know, 
in what ways have you been proud of yourself in transforming your body and your mind into who you are today? Well, I've never physically changed my body, so I can't really talk about that. I have thought about it once, but when I thought about it more, I thought, I don't need that. Because um, at one point I considered um, that I could possibly be trans. And then when I thought about the surgeries that people would take, I thought, no, you know, I don't think that's for me after all. Um, so no physical alterations of that sort have happened, but how I view my body has definitely changed by, mm. of course, um, just sitting down with myself, having conversations with myself. Heck, um, less than a year ago, I was still very much struggling with self-hatred mm. and I don't really think I struggle with it as much anymore. There are still moments where I'm just like, damn it, I hate myself. Um, but I uh, at least acknowledge, you know, I am feeling like I hate myself right now and this is why. This is the situation that just occurred and that's why I'm feeling this way at this moment. So it's yeah. just making sure that you at least acknowledge those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions. Because once you at least pay them some mind, you can start working on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and um, I'm just uh, very happy to know you and just everything that you share uh, on Twitter has been just immensely helpful. I want you to know that. Um, I know that we don't, you know, feel that a lot of people, you know, see our stuff or might get any kind of encouragement from what we have to say, but people do. Uh, people see it. And so keep on putting out the good stuff that you're putting out and um, keep on sharing your story. But I just want to give you the final word. Is there any kind of parting words you have or any kind of parting wisdom you have uh, that you want to share um, before we close? I guess um, I like to leave people with this. So I've grown to hate the word advice because of, um, even before I started therapy, just something about it just rubbed me the wrong way. But it was after I started therapy that this, um, I can't remember, I know she was a nurse, at, you know, in her off work or in her prior work or prior experience. I can't remember, but either way, she was the group leader of this co-ed, group where we all just shared whatever you know was on our minds uh, I like to say on our minds more than just on our heart mm. um, but we just shared our thoughts and feelings and emotions about on certain things and what she said really stuck with me even to this day um, she would always tell us to share our experience because our experience might be very similar to the person sitting to the right of us, but be completely unrelatable to the person sitting to the left of us. And that's why she didn't like the word advice because she felt it was too much of a, this general blanket statement of this one size fits all narrative that just didn't work when you try to uh, tell people, oh, just think positive thoughts, it'll get better. You know, it won't work for everyone. It might work for those few people over here, but it's not going to work for everyone else. And it just leaves everyone else 
feeling like they did something wrong or that they just didn't try hard enough. So I don't give advice. I share my experiences with people now. (laughs) I like that. That's great. Not sharing advice, sharing experience. That's some good wisdom to leave us with. Uh, So once again, I have on some random thoughts on this program, I have Existential Izzy, uh, well, Izzy, Existential Izzy on Twitter. Go and look her up, go and look them up, excuse me. Um, Give them a follow, lots of great stuff there. Izzy has been very helpful for me. Uh, in my own journey for the past couple of years. And so Izzy, uh, once again, thank you so much for being on the program. Really appreciate you sharing all your I appreciate time. being here. Thank I'm you. Thank you so much. And uh, so we're gonna, we'll close out the program and I just wanna share, um, you have one life, make the most of it. And we'll see you all next time on the program. Thank you so much. Bye.